Welcome to Purpose 360. I'm Carol Cohn. And I'm Chris Noble. And we're on a journey to explore the brightest and most innovative minds and initiatives in social purpose. Today, companies and brands must stand for something meaningful. They have to have a social purpose and bring that purpose forward to their employees, their customers, and their community. Each episode, we're talking to leaders at Fortune 100 companies, global brands, social enterprise startups, NGOs, and everything in between. We'll be taking a deep dive to learn how they are integrating purpose into their organizations. To benefit both business and society for enduring impact. Join us. So good morning. Today we have this wonderful guest joining us, Laura Kohler from the Kohler Company. And I have to be really candid. I love the brand. I buy the brand. I just bought some memoirs, Stately Faucets. And um, so this is like meeting a celebrity for me. So, (laughs) Well, you're meeting a fourth generation Kohler executive. So my great grandfather started the company in 1873. So in that sense, you are, you know, kind of meeting history just sitting across from you in that Humble sense. Okay, so I just had chills. <laughs> <laughs> and and so, um, Chris, I don't know if uh, you know, you'd like to, uh, you know, what's your bathroom uh, looking like or your kitchen faucets regarding Kohler? Well, so my, my let's see, that's a good question, Carol. Um, not one I'm willing to answer, but a really good question. Uh, what I am willing to say, though, is that we're excited to have you here and hear about the, the journey that Kohler is on and has taken uh over the last couple of years, but but also I want to say because Carol's such a fan that you're effectively the first sponsor we've had on the podcast, and I really appreciate your. Uh, oh, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> that's very 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 funny. So so Lord, just tell us a little bit about um, being a Kohler, a fourth generation, and your role in the company, mm-hmm. and um, what it's like. It's very very obviously personal for you, right? So I just celebrated my 25 years at Kohler. Uh, There is life outside Kohler, uh, but I do say to people, I'm in my 50s, and I say that uh, although I've just worked at Kohler 25 years, I do feel like it's been a lifetime. Uh, I think that we have a rich heritage, and going back 144 years, which is pretty amazing legacy. There was a time in my life when I was 18, I just wanted to leave the state of Wisconsin and go to college and never come back. In my late 20s, I started to appreciate the legacy mm. and came yeah. back and worked a number of positions. And today I'm head of HR stewardship and sustainability globally. And we're almost a $7 billion company with 38,000 people around the world. So it's been a journey. It's been fun. It's always a challenge. It's never a dull moment. And I love what I do. Oh, and you can just see it. I mean, uh, Laura's eyes are just like sparkling and she's smiling. <laughs> so I wish we had a video segment of this, but we don't. But um, talk a little bit about the role and the breadth of it. And what's a typical day like? Because you say that no two days are alike. Right. So we have four business groups at Kohler. Some people know us for kitchen and bath like you. Right. And we're so proud that you're a happy customer and you're really an ambassador for us now going out into the world. Uh, So we have kitchen and bath. We have power. So big gen sets and residential generators and small engines. We have the hospitality and real estate business, which is hotels and golf courses. So if you were a golf fanatic, you'd know that we've had PGA tournaments and we're going to have the Ryder Cup in 2020. 
Oh, okay. Right? Now then I have to take you up on that because my husband is a golf fanatic. Yeah. Okay. And yeah. then the fourth group we have is decorative products, which is beautiful jewel-like businesses of Roburn and Sachs, Callista uh, for <gasps> the home. Callista is yours. Yes. I didn't know that. So, so wow. when, when I say never a dull moment, we're in all of those spaces in, in terms of the marketplace and around the world, 50 plants around the world and 38,000 people. So my day consists of working on human resource strategy and execution. It can be working with the sustainability teams and the innovation for good teams. And then it can be a media event or a customer uh, town hall, things like that. So um, it's it's fun. Oh, that's, that's great. So um, believing in better, um, that seems to be a stewardship vision for you. Can you explain that for our listeners? Right. So that was one of our early, uh, I would say, grounding principles that we wanted our work that we do every day at Kohler and the work uh, to renew our communities where we work and live to be all about believing in better. And it's something our associates believe strongly in is that their work for Kohler, but their work in stewardship and sustainability is about we can make the world a better place. It's about having that vision of what might be and they get to be part of that. Oh, that, that's exciting for them. Um, and and I, we should step back a bit, which is I'd love to know what is your personal purpose related to Kohler? Right. You know, so I believe I'm a steward at the end of the day, uh, going back to what the hard work my great grandfather did in starting the company. And I believe that I'm here to take it to the next level. And I want to be part of that journey and take care of the past, not throw out the past, take care of it, highlight it, uh, make sure people know what important legacy we have, but then also where are we going and pivoting to the future and getting the millennials or that new workforce excited about what could be. And I really feel that, you know, our CEO and I are part of that pivot generation of the appreciation of 144 years, but then pivoting into, okay, what's possible and harnessing the energy of our associates around that purpose. So since our podcast is called Purpose 360, I am so pleased, I know Chris is too, that you're talking about your associates and that your associates, it sounds like they're the heartbeat, they're the lifeblood that you want to inspire the one, the ones that have been there for years and the ones that are just, that you'd like to recruit to join. Talk more about that because I think companies today are only beginning to understand that it's about experience and engagement. It's not about Here's the policy and now you need to do it. Yeah, right. So maybe it's because engagement has been part of our DNA for over, I would say, 15 years. And I've seen the power of an engaged workforce. And then because I also had another job, which was the stewardship piece and marrying the two together was the aha moment of, wow, stewardship and sustainability can really help drive engagement. And what engagement does is drive productivity, retention and Associates who are highly engaged are associates who can drive change, right? So what I've learned is that people come to Kohler to be part of the stewardship and sustainability journey. And they say, I want to be part of a company that's doing that, or I want to do it and I want to be physically involved. Mm -hmm. I think an aha moment that I've also had is that not everybody at every moment in their life has time mm -hmm. to volunteer, time to be on an extra project. But they want to be part of a company that does it, okay, right? Great. So we have tried to create an environment where you can be part of it if you have time and if you, if you care about it, but you don't have to be pressured into it. That's so profound because if you look at the amount of engagement that companies have with their employees or 
either innovating in their work um, towards a social purpose or if they're involved in volunteerism, skilled or unskilled, it's not 100 percent. It might be 10 percent, 20 percent, 30 percent. But the fact that the company is doing so that they are basking in the glow. Yes. Per se. That's really important for our listeners to understand. Yeah, because you could be a working mom with three kids and just don't have time to do some of the extra stuff that it takes to be part of these projects. But you want to know your company's doing that. And that's the power of storytelling. Right. So that's the power of us making sure we're telling the stories internally and externally about the work and the energy that's happening. So so let's talk about that a little bit, about how storytelling meets scale. Yeah. Right? Because you're absolutely right about the power of storytelling to motivate people and to highlight your purpose and get people going in one direction. How do you do that with 38,000 people? Mm-hmm. Like tactically, what are the systems that you put in place so you can reach those people and motivate them? Right. So we just invested in a social communication app called Social Chorus. We're in the launch phase of that, and that is to connect everybody globally to be able so they can communicate with each other so it also gives us a storytelling platform we also have something else called sharepoint where we use every day to tell stories globally we also believe in the power of local communication though mm-hmm. Lo- so so we have stewardship and sustainability initiatives that we can talk about globally but we also have a ton of stuff that's happening at our local you know over 50 plants around the world you know, a hundred or some locations around the world are actually doing their own work that they want to talk about. And, you know, so I think that's really important. There are there's global storytelling and then there's local storytelling. And we find a way to make sure that both of those get to we utilize different channels, right, to amplify those stories. And what kind of autonomy does the the local facility have to adopt their their mission or what they're doing. Oh, gosh, I think probably 100 percent autonomy. See, that's great. You know, because and it's like, you know, there's certain things that we don't talk about. We don't talk about our financial results. We don't talk about specifics around strategy and product development and things like that. But everybody at Kohler knows that. What we can talk about is all the good projects and work that we're doing around stewardship and sustainability. That's fair game. Mm. So, you know, giving people the power to tell the stories to your point chris yeah. is is really energizing that, yeah i think that's right and, that, and what we've also found is that the the best way for any brand to put their foot forward mm-hmm. is to have their employees telling their story for them right so as, as you can take that and scale it in that way and give the the local facilities the power to tell that story it it it's going to work well and hold together. Right. So we have my Kohler videos. If you went on Kohler.com, you'd see my Kohler videos on the career site. And that's just really, uh, again, kind of a low level of production with an associate telling the story about their job and their impact on the company. And we try to do them as much as we can. Uh, We try to, our artists, 16 artists come into our factory every year in Kohler, Wisconsin to make art. They've done it over 50 years. And uh, right. So we, also do arts industry stories from the point of view of the artist and what it's like to come into a big factory and make work uh, right on the line in our pottery or in our foundry. So we, again, to your point, authentic storytelling from the point of view of the person who experienced it mm-hmm. is very powerful. No, that's really great. And we'll put some links to the color stories on our Oh, that'd be page. great. Yeah, we'll link to a couple of them just to give people an example. So can you, I know you're really proud of innovation for good. Mm-hmm. So can you explain its genesis and sure. where it's going and some of the stories within it? Sure. So uh, about six years ago, my the manager for stewardship 
And some of the people that she worked with in the business had this idea. Uh, and some of my HR teams, frankly, ha- had this idea to bring together engineers, designers, marketers, people in communications and human resources who really wanted to talk about product ideas, frankly, that weren't getting addressed in the new product scheduling for the businesses. This was kind of unheard of at the time, and we all thought we were going to get fired. Uh-oh. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you can't get fired if your name's Kohler. Oh, I don't know. I mean, they got to go to the woodshed or something. <laughs> Probably. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I mean, think about this. Engineers and designers who throw up ideas all the time, but then so only certain ones get picked, right, to get into the official new product schedule process. So we started out with one uh, IFG retreat. We call it Innovation for Good IFG. Uh-huh. And it was a retreat that we did kind of under, kind of after hours, and we set aside time to do it. And no, we didn't tell anybody about it. And people snuck away from their jobs to do it. And today we have a a full-fledged little business unit. We have a senior business manager of IFG today. We have a small team. We have it divided into three different segments. And one of them is the incubator, which is today where the engineers and the designers can still come together and incubate new ideas. And some of them have actually been picked up by the business, which is really cool. So Waste Lab is a new launch in the kitchen and bath business, and we're creating tiles from waste. Right from foundry and pottery waste. And that's going to be sold under the Ann Sachs brand and also under the Kohler brand. It's launching in January. Uh, We've also created Kohler Clarity, which is our water filter. And we're selling almost 160,000 this year of Kohler Clarity, which is really cool. Yeah. And the other idea that uh, has come out of uh, Innovation for Good has been class right the closed loop system and our partnership with the gates foundation oh tell us more about that right so we are really proud of our our third party or our external partnerships and gates is one of the ones that we're um we've learned a lot from and we partnered with them on a closed loop uh kind of black water sanitation system how to clean the water and recirculate it back into uh I would say underdeveloped countries that need that don't have aren't part of a sanitation infrastructure and they've helped us they've brought some money to the table and gave us a grant we brought some of our ingenuity and engineering capability to the table and it's been a relationship over the past three or four years so we continue to work with them and evolve the concept of a closed loop sanitation system So, so you're focusing on a key theme that was at the sustainable brands meeting this year about collaboration, that truly when you're taking your purpose and it's becoming 360 degrees embedded in the company, you've got your engineers and your designers getting very excited, but you also brought in a partner in Gates. Right. How important is that? Hugely important. It's important to us. I mean, think about it. Going back to the privately held company, 144 years old, we were so private, it's, it was painful. Oh, okay. And, okay. And, and what I mean by that is, you know, up until about 10 years ago, we didn't talk about our stories okay. and we didn't have a lot of external partnerships. We then loosened up a little bit. Started creating some NGO relationships, started to come consistently to places like sustainable brands, talk about ourselves and have reach out to Gates or actually Gates reached out to us. Oh, because you had awareness. Yes. And they well, they were working on the reinvent the toilet. 
Okay. So, and they ultimately picked Caltech mm-hmm. to do some of the engineering work on the reinvent the toilet. And then they were looking for a manufacturer to take that technology and take it to the next stage. Right. So they were looking for their external partners as well. So I think for us, it's a validator that, you know, a organization like Gates picked us. We also learned a lot from their philosophy. Uh, And I think something I'd just like to point out is a sustainable idea is one that becomes commercially viable, Mm -hmm, right? Exactly. And we learn that and are continually reminded of that idea, especially in the Innovation for Good retreats that we work on, is how do we create something that can be a commercially viable solution so that it's not, if if it's a charity, eventually people run out of money to support it. That's right. right? And and so I want to I want to draw that theme for a second because the how important is having that cross-functional team in developing something that's commercially viable. Right? That's one of the things that we're really trying to target is is how it's a, a 360 degree experience and 360 degrees of of focus almost to bring everybody together in the center. Yeah, so, I would it goes back to diversity, frankly, mm-hmm. right? We know that diverse teams are more productive and more successful teams. And I think when you're looking at something like an innovation for good uh, incubating idea, bringing together different perspectives geographically, right? So can Americans really uh, create the solution for sanitation in India? kind of need to know uh, and have people who experience that situation and understand that perspective and live it. You know, so how do we bring together diverse teams in all the things that we do so to make sure that we have enough perspective uh, if we truly want to innovate? What was the tipping point when you said it was painful that you weren't communicating? Yeah. So was something a big aha that happened or was it more your leadership and David's leadership? Well, I think actually uh, here's where the HR part of my role comes in and the value of that. It's when our at when the hiring market uh, kind of resurged after the Great Recession. So I would say in 11 and 12 and the market starts to strengthen again. People were looking for jobs, looking for companies, and they didn't know what it was like to work at Kohler. Right. It Again, so private, it's painful. So we had to be able to figure out how could we tell our stories in a way that is authentic to us, doesn't convey a lot of numbers, Mm -hmm. right? But we could, uh, and and the best way to do that, we started out sugarcoating things and overproducing. And we knew then that was a mistake because Mm -hmm. that becomes almost unbelievable. Right. And then we kind of generationally, we went through another generation of learning and then had our associates tell stories and then started to use our website more effectively to do that. And that has, and then started using stewardship and sustainability and artist arts industry to tell stories. So we're doing it because being a privately held company, it's hard to know what is actually, what it's like to work at Kohler. And we're using these platforms to, to, to kind of really convey this is what it's like here Mm. right we can't tell you everything but we can tell you a lot and that was the aha was really the candidates coming in and saying i don't know if i want to work for you because i don't know what it's like really inside the walls of Kohler. were there some bumps along the way when you made the transition well telling the stories yes and we probably were overly controlling in the beginning to your point chris earlier how much autonomy do you give to the local locations to tell their story uh we were overly controlling we did everything from the center and we overproduced okay. right and then we started to like relax a little bit 
uh, and started to listen more to what associates wanted inside and also to what candidates wanted to hear instead of thinking we knew all the answers. That's great. Yeah, and that's, really. that's pivotal. And, and once you do sort of find the answers, one of the questions we like to ask is, you know, how do you drive change inside the organization? How do you get that buy-in? How do you make it work? Now, your name's on the door, mm-hmm. but still in all, um, that's the thing that's really interesting to the, the, our audience is, how do I make this work? How do I bring all these pieces together in one place right. and drive the change internally? Right. So one of our learnings also has been sometimes we manage change by brute force. And that can't, we, you, you can't continue to do that, right? You probably can get away with that brute force management for a while. but It's actually how I fix all of my plumbing. <laughs> right. right. Uh, but after a while, you have to have more finesse in how you manage change. And I believe it goes back to what I said earlier, which is an engaged workforce, an engaged group of people can handle change much more effectively than a group of people who are probably much less engaged. So one of the people at this, con- the, there's a book called All In. Right. And I really think that it's it's associates and employees who are all in. That's the associates you want when you have a big challenge in front of you. And if you communicate, if you give some ownership to them, if you allow them to be all into the change model, they will help you through the change. Right. And, and then the HR folks, the strategic leaders need to give them a framework. But I believe if you've got that engaged workforce and you help put that problem in front of them with a framework of a pathway, they can they can help you get there as a company. So do you have a favorite story, a favorite employee story? You've given us a couple, but is there another one that you went, oh, this was just great. It just really touched me, touched the family, touched the business. I would tell you the Waste Lab story took about oh gosh, two years to convince management that it was a good idea. Mm-hmm. And the team that worked on it knew it was a good idea, but it was so out of the box. We we had no other waste labs in the company. We were not reusing our waste to make a product. We were taking waste and shipping it to external vendors or selling it for road beds and things like that. But we really hadn't spent the money on equipment to actually take waste and repurpose waste for our own commercial use totally out of the box and that the 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 team had made the done the work on this and we had had to sit on the decision making document for a long time before we got management to sign off because it we didn't really have a champion Okay. Right. And it took a few of us to continue to pound on the door of the CEO to say, this is worth it. Let us try. Right. And when he signed the document to, to, and, and approved it, I will tell you that we have gotten more goodwill, more positive energy in the last year of getting the Waste Lab up and running than probably anything else. And Kohler Clarity was another example of a huge, something we did that was small that has become significant in terms of a employee value proposition and external messaging and things like that. Uh, so I would just tell you those stories sometimes, the things that you fight the hardest for, you know in your heart they're the right things. Mm-hmm. You have to convince the business leaders that it will be positive for the business. And if you can get over that hurdle, right. it can unleash huge positive impact. So do you ever, um, one of the things that we recommend to clients is something called a walkabout, you know, get them out of their office, go into the field. Did that help you at all to get some of Clarity or the waste product um, accepted? 
Yeah, I think so. I think uh, our CEO is really good at getting out of his office and walking in the in our manufacturing facilities and personally seeing issues. So, and the more we can do that with him, right? right? And the more we can show him something, the uh, the, that is very helpful to moving projects forward. But it's also helpful to getting the people working on the projects to not just sit in their desk and theorize about it, Great. actually to get them out there and experience going on trips with NGOs. Great. Yeah, so, that's the one. Right. Yeah. Yep. A lot of our people have gone on NGO trips. I personally also traveled uh, in Kenya and in South Af- South of Africa with um, and studying the class with the Gates Foundation, the um, impact of class. So I think uh, you then can speak more authentically about a situation. So 360 for our listeners, it is not just integrating it throughout the company, but it's also integrating it into the world and being worldly. And there is a tendency, a higher up you go in an organization to get very insular. Yeah. And what's so exciting, again, what we learned from the Sustainable Brands Conference and from your stories is that just get out of your office right you know well and realize you're not the expert in everything exactly right Right. and you might be good at what you do but you have to partner to actually and bringing that put those partnerships together really drives the impact yeah and that's magic yeah and that's something where i wanted to go to take you in particular is how do you look for those partners Mm -hmm. what's the what's the decision matrix you make and have to go through to identify the right partner recruit them and then kind of bring them into the fold yeah, so that is an important question because we are we carefully select who we partner with. Okay. Uh, and my team, Rob Zimmerman, Ratish Namaborthi, and Cindy Howley are all really important. They're leading stewardship, IFG, and sustainability, and they're very careful in the partners that they select. They spend time with them. We make sure they're well-managed, that they are authentic in what they do, that they drive it, they're driving outcomes, and so they're carefully vetted because we want our brand to be associated with another brand that's of similar seriousness, uh, you know, and, and management capability. And, and how important is measurement from your NGO relationships and qualitative, quantitative frequency? How, how important is measurement? So oh. if you're working with a partner and you yeah. set goals yes. and then... So measurement is too polar is fundamentally important. So we measure a lot mm-hmm. and we actually don't... We, we want to have an outcome. We don't want to just have a lot of effort. We actually want it to drive to something. Right. So I think we are trained in that. It is part of our culture. And we don't mind spending our time and our resources if there's an outcome. So we want to make sure we deliver that for the partner and we expect the partner to deliver that for us. Great, great. Can we shift a little to the sustainable development goals? Because mm-hmm. we know that you're aligning some of your efforts against some of the SDGs. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when the SDGs came out, you know, people said, yeah, they're there. Companies are just going to kind of maybe align with one or two. How important are the SDGs to Kohler? Um, what kind of education process did you need? to do internally with your senior executives? Well, so I was there at the launch in 2015 at the UN General Assembly for the launch of the the Sustainable Development Goals. It was really powerful. The, the, the whole concept that many companies are creating their strategies off of the SDGs, I mean, their whole company strategy, meaning their growth strategy around the world's biggest problems, is uh, was, an, was really a, a moment for me to say, how can Kohler 
tie our work every day into what the UN is seeing as the world's biggest problems. And so when I read the 17 Sustainable Development Goals, there they are, right there. In Number six is clean water and sanitation. That's what we're about. Right. You know, number seven is all about clean energy. That's another one of our businesses. And then I think 12 is the footprint, production footprint. Those are really important to Kohler, and it is what we do every day. So for us, it was a natural coming together of linking our current work with what the UN is saying as the world's biggest problems. Uh, then going back and really helping our associates say, hey, we're part of something bigger. Bigger, great. Right? Yeah. And that goes to purpose. It's like, why are we here? We're here because, our, and we hire very smart people and really capable people and taking their power of their minds and their energy and link helping them link and saying we're affecting six we're affecting seven we're affecting 12 that's great that's you know you get i can you know you're so animated about it which is <laughs> it was great that you, you were at the launch um well i think we could probably go on for another hour i think that but we want to be respectful of your time and our listeners time um what else would you love to share that we haven't asked you know i Always talk to audiences around the world about this concept of to whom much is given, much is expected. And I think that goes for the individual, but it also goes to the company, mm. right? And I think that if we uh, sitting here, people listening to your podcast, people attending sustainable brands, people in companies around the world can really say, how can I make a difference in my work every day with my company, in my work in my community as an individual? I, I just think that if we harness that power, that energy, that capability, uh, we can attain movement on those sustain the sustainable development goals. We can see uh, improvement in, the, in, in terms of the world's biggest problems. We just have to harness all of this energy and power. Terrific. Well, thank you, Laura. Um, you know, I loved you before you got here. <laughs> now, after this conversation, I will be such an evangelist for the company and for the product. Please keep up the great work, Chris. Yeah, no, it's fantastic, and we really appreciate your time. You're welcome. Thanks it so was much. fun. Great. Thank you okay. so much. Okay.